Welcome to the Thundercast, your martial athletics podcast produced by the fans, for the fans, with your hosts, Russ Livingood and KD Hudnall. We're bringing you the thundering word on the thundering herd each and every week. So keep it right here. The Thundercast is on the loose. Thanks for downloading another episode of the Thundercast. Follow us on Twitter at Thundercast underscore pod. Uh, please head over to uh, any of the links in the descriptions of our episodes so you can uh, subscribe to the Thundercast on your favorite podcasting network or outlet so that you never miss an episode. Please, if you would also, share the links with your friends and fellow Herd fans so that we can continue to grow the uh, listener base here and you know reach more folks and preach the word of the Herd. Russ, we had... Fairly busy week in herd athletics. There was some big news across uh, several sports, including some new uh, members of the herd in the 2024 class. But of course, the main focus for this episode is going to be the game that took place this past weekend against Georgia State down in Atlanta. So we're going to get into all that. But first, let's get a quick word from our sponsors at 304carwreck.com. If you've been hurt in a wreck, visit 304carwreck.com on the web or on Facebook. Our roads are full of uninsured drivers. When they hurt you, your insurance company can become their insurance company. Insurance companies take your money every month, but they fight you when it's their turn to pay. Don't be a victim twice. Jason and Matt can't protect you from uninsured drivers, but they can protect you from the insurance companies. Find them at 304carwreck.com. Well, let's get some positivity in to start off if we can. So how about five things every Herd fan needs to know this week? This week, it's seven things every Herd fan needs to know this week. As always, brought to you by Nightlink, the Tri-State's premier IT management team. Number one, Esther LeBon named SBC Swimmer of the Week. Yeah, that's pretty cool. We, I, had, I mentioned a couple weeks ago when uh, I was in for the Virginia Tech game that you know, right next to our tailgate happened to be where the swim and dive team was uh, set up and their tailgate was set up there. And I had an opportunity to speak to um, head coach uh, Ian Walsh about his team. And he had mentioned some things that we weren't really aware of because, you know, there's just a whole lot, not a whole lot of news out there, but he had mentioned some swimmers that, uh, you know, were trying to make a run at some type of Olympic type events. Now I'm not saying the United States U.S. (laughs) swim team, but some of these qualifier type events. So this really isn't surprising that you you may see some of these swimmer of the weeks coming through. And uh, I wouldn't be too surprised if it's actually several of our swimmers and divers that achieve these accolades. So uh, it's a great way to start. You know, an of the week is always a cool thing. So congratulations to Ms. LeBon on, a, on an excellent week this past week. Yeah, and we have uh, just entered the Sunbelt Conference for swimming and diving. This will be our first uh, semester that we're doing this. So right off the bat, getting a uh, of the week. Uh, I'd love to keep a tally. We're going to have to start doing this of what sports we've now won this in since we've been doing this. And we've hit just about all of them, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, may have one, maybe two out there that I'm unaware of or I'm forgetting. But we've had a pretty diverse of the week for the mm-hmm. Sunbelt amongst all teams. And like I said, I'm just happy to be in the Sunbelt. I love that, um, uh, that we're seem to be rising in all sports 
there. So. All right, number two, Rasheen Ali and Stephen Dix Jr. continue in the Comeback Player of the Year award process. The field has now been narrowed down to 49, and they're still in the running. Yeah, they're both of them, right? Which is right. it's just pretty cool because this was over a hundred to mm-hmm. start. So they've eliminated, let's say, half the, half field. the field. And our two uh, candidates are still among those. And I think that's really great. And and, and Rasheen, nothing against Stephen Dix Jr., right? But Rasheen is really making a case for himself, especially yeah. after another three total touchdown performance against Georgia mm-hmm. State this last weekend. I think he's now third or tied for third in the country in third. touchdowns and yep. second in the country in like points, points accounted for. So yeah. he's having a great season, a, a really huge bounce back season in those huge categories that really just capture eyes. Yeah. Um, for the herd this season. So congratulations to both those guys. Of course, we'd love to see them if they got down to semifinalists and finalists, but uh, having your two stay, you know, when half of the field was uh, eliminated, I think that says something about, about the work these guys are doing and, and some of the, uh, you know, statistics that they're putting up this year. It's great. If I'm remembering correctly, uh, we are one of seven teams that have two players on this list. So, elite uh error there mm-hmm. but anytime you've got someone like uh, rasheen ali who's at the top of some of these leaderboards nationally unless someone else that's ahead of him or really close to him is also missed all of last year or whatever <laughs> would qualify them for being in this race for comeback player of the year it looks like right now he might be one of the odds on favorites you would have to think so, right because yeah. he he led the country two years ago in touchdowns so that means nobody else did that right? Mm-hmm. Or tied him. So that's a big feather in your cap. And then you lose 10 games of your season last year. And now you come out and you're ranked in the top two or top three in a couple of those major scoring categories. And he was still like top 15 nationally in rushing yards or something like maybe rushing yards per game. I saw the stats somewhere. I don't know if it was mm-hmm. a per game or overall, but he's just, he's just flat getting it done. And you saw more of that on display, both on the ground and through the air against Georgia State. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Yep. All right, so moving on to number three, we have the Scaff Family Practice Facility will be dedicated on October 19th. Now, for those of you that are wondering what this is, if you're this, we've covered it a lot. And I said Scaff, it's Skaggs. Um, I had an autocorrect in here and I read from the teleprompter, Ron Burgundy. Um, (laughs) But uh, the Skaggs Family Practice Facility uh, is Gullickson Hall. And uh, that covers not just men and women's basketball, but also volleyball. Uh, So that's why it doesn't say the basketball practice facility or anything like that. So multi-use, but the old Gullickson Hall gym and the hallways around it, everything has been totally redone. It's the pathway from there to the Henderson Center. If you haven't seen it, make your way over to this, if you can, to the dedication. If not, just sometime soon when you're on campus, if you can, go inside Gullickson and look. There's pictures on social media. It looks amazing. Yeah, but there's nothing like walking into the place, especially if you are a guy like me who basically lived in Gullickson Hall as a student. That's where the vast majority of my classes took place. So having to walk the perimeter around that central gym all the time, and sometimes you'd you know duck in there to you know diagonal instead of walking around the perimeter. 
it was old then. And it's, I mean, think about this, man. I was, I'm talking about the, in the nineties, the late nineties, and it was dated then. And we're talking about another 30 years later, roughly. It was really old. Now still in good shape. It looked good. It was just very dated. Right. So this is not that same. It is the same gym, but it ain't the same look, man. They've really tied together. The branding is on point. Like the, 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 it's the right greens. Everything just mm-hmm. looks great. So if you were like me and you lived in Gullickson Hall, this is one of those things that'll hit you right in the feels when you go back to Marshall and you haven't been there in a long time. And you're like, man, look at this place. It, it looks a lot different than what I remember. But having that facility, you know, it was, a, it was an intramurals facility primarily. You know, right. there wasn't really much varsity sports practice going on there but now you know we can have our men's and women's teams practicing concurrently you know you don't have to alter schedules to fit everybody into one facility it's just Mm -hmm. it's big for the development of all a lot of our programs you mentioned volleyball as well it just this is the type of thing that we needed to have so to repurpose the gullicks and gym for a auxiliary gym and a practice facility top-notch move it was something that probably needed to be done decades ago but to bring it Full circle and have it match everything else, top tier move. Now that the rec center's there and can host all these intramural things, right. you know, it, it was a no brainer. But I tell you what, I always, uh, uh, for an analogy, if you've ever gone in like a muffler shop or a used car dealership or whatever, and it looks like it had the wood paneling and, you know, had the little reception window there, and you walk in and there's no like, professional signage or anything it's all on a sheet of paper with just scotch tape holding it Mm -hmm. up and that sort of thing telling you their hours and their price list and everything sometimes they don't even print out a a new price list they'll just mark through it with a marker and write something over top of it it was it was that is the kind of feeling you got from gullickson is like well this is something that's on campus we're just, you know, who cares? We'll just do this. The Skaggs family, the athletic department, everybody got together and said, here's our vision. Let's do this. And it looks great, man. I'm telling you, they put the big ass fans. Yes, that's a, uh, that's their uh, name, brand that's name. The company name, <laughs> uh, but they put those in there because you know how hot it got in yeah. there. There was, you know, so, um, I mean, the paint, the, the eye beams, the, the rafters, everything that they did in there, they did it upright and it mm-hmm. looks great. Yep. It was really attention to detail and it, and mm-hmm. it just looks like it belongs there now, you know, instead of an outlier and just a, a gym that we used, it's now a useful gym, which is not the same thing, you know? So the attention to detail is on point. It's just a good, it's, it's a great project that I'm glad. So if you're in, if you're going to be in town, if you're going to go to the, you know, the JMU game and uh, are able to kind of, uh, duck over there and do the dedication. Do it because it'd be a great opportunity for you to get some eyes, uh, some eyes on a new project that you may not be aware of. Yeah. All right. Number four, the home tip-off times have been announced for men and women's basketball. We had alluded to this uh, when we recorded our last episode that we did a five things, and we're not going to read off all of these. It's just uh, some things that you may want to look, you know, if you're like, well, I'm going to be in that weekend for football or, well, Mm -hmm. I'm coming in for the Thanksgiving week because, uh, you know, I'm coming in for family or, uh, I wanted to come in for the, the soccer, uh, hopeful, you know, Sunbelt conference, uh, tournament, you know, so that's going to be during this week. I want to make sure get on herd zone or the herd zone app, check out the schedules. They've all been released for the home tip off times. Couple of, um, 
Things of note, we talked about the potential Sunbelt Conference Championship in football if it were to be hosted in Huntington, and the time was uh, for the Gators to come to, uh, uh, for women's basketball, come to the CAM. Well, men's basketball has a home game that same day as well, and Mm -hmm. it's listed as to be announced. And that means that you could have this perfect storm of women's game, Conference championship in football, men's game afterwards. Yeah. Boom. That's what it looked uh, just, like it would be because I think you said that that potential kick time was 4 p.m. Or at 4 or 4.30. Well, it wasn't remember. noon. That's what I mean. Right. It was like 4 yeah. or 4, right in the late afternoon. So, yeah, yeah. you could do an early basketball game to warm up from tailgating and then go watch the football game and then close it all out in the cam again for men's basketball, you know, yeah. but – a lot of moving parts still to happen one way or another there's going to be two basketball games (laughs) so you could at least do that yeah and uh, with the uh gators coming to town and we know what kind of exciting basketball should be under uh uh, kim stevens caldwell uh it's a great time to do a a double header time kind of thing so Mm -hmm. maybe a maybe a triple header we'll have to see uh but anyway herdzone.com or the herdzone app to check those times out Number five, baseball ticket prices have been announced, and that is for season tickets. Been a lot of chatter online. I'll get your thoughts first, and then we'll discuss it a little bit. Well, first off, at least now you know, it looks like our speculation was right that we moved up the Herd Bricks campaign in order to talk about tickets so that now you could do your Herd Brick before Halloween and then maybe looking you know, for like a holiday gift type thing for the baseball enthusiast in your family uh, for, you know, herd baseball. I think it was sticker shock for a lot of people. I don't think they were expecting to see a large number, you know, in that overall season ticket package, but I also don't think they're taking into account there could be 25, 6, 7 games that that accounts. 27 home games in addition to the WVU game that is separate from the season tickets. Right. So that's 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 why you see a larger number. I mean, it's a, it's the same reason that basketball tickets are expensive. There's a lot yeah. of games that you get to go to, you know. Yeah, there's there's a lot more uh when you when you go to look at basketball season tickets, you know, you're like, "Holy heck, you know, if I want to sit in the lower bowl, it's several hundred dollars, you know. Well, there's 16 to 18 games. I right. think it's 16 games." So Um, yeah, one of the other things too, that you have to remember is this is only season tickets. These are not the only tickets to the ballpark, right? This is only the ones that will be, you know, behind home plate or right behind each dugout on the foul lines and that sort of thing. There are going to be, uh, two different areas that are going to be, uh, open, uh, sloped heels kind of deal where you can go in and sit down, uh, there's going to be uh, places where you can bring chairs and, and be right down the uh, the foul lines out in the outfield. We've got the, um, uh, I don't know what they're calling, but maybe it's not the dugout box. I can't remember what they were calling these for baseball, but it's the shipping containers that you can get on top of and have seating there and mm-hmm. you know all the other stuff. So uh, plenty of other options to sit. It's just these are your season tickets. Now, we're going to have Ryan Crisp come on here. We've already talked to him. He's going to be on the next episode, and he's going to break this down a little bit more and talk a little bit more about this. So don't really want to get into the nuts and bolts of it, but take those numbers, divide them by 27 to get the per-game cost, and then you'll see. But you don't have to freak out 
about, you know, how much these cost or say, Hey, there's a $60 donation that you have to do. If you're already donating to the big green, which that's the minimum, by the way, you don't have to donate separately for baseball. Just keep that in mind. It, it already counts if you're already doing that for football or right. any other sport. Yeah. Your donations, your donation. So if you're a season ticket holder in any other sport that requires a donation, the donation for baseball will be satisfied. And you're right. Ryan Chris was going to come on and talk about the particulars. Um, but I think it's important to note that this is not, um, from my viewpoint, this is not excessively priced. Some folks, I think, think this is excessively priced. But look at it. It's brand new ballpark. So yeah. there's there's bills to pay. You want to recoup some funds, right? And you do that through ticket sales. And there's a lot of hype around it. And, you know, you, you don't want to undersell. Right, you don't want to leave money on the table because that's that's just business. That's a business move, and and I don't think Marshall's at all exploiting its fan base for a premium. You know, if you've if you are a baseball fan and you want the seat you want, then you'll be willing to pay for it, right? And there's there's a there's a pricing tier there for everyone. There really is. And if you and if you think, well, I don't want to buy season tickets, then don't buy them. You can buy. Yeah single game tickets, or I bet you they'll have many plans at some point, or they'll do some, they'll, they always do, but this is no different than any other sport. You try to sell season tickets first to see how many you can sell of those, and then you start, you know, chipping away at other package options or ticketing options. So how do you, though, guarantee that you will have a ticket to the very first game at Jack Cookfield? You buy season tickets. That's yeah. how you guarantee it. So if that's that important to you, then buy them. Yeah, and I, I think a, a lot of the uh, things that are catching people up, we've mentioned, a lot of people don't understand it's 27 games. You know, right. maybe they're thinking it's 20. Uh, the number 25 has been floating out there a lot and everything, and that's nowhere in any kind. Of, it says it right in the release. This is for 27 games, mm -hmm. and the WVU game is separate. Uh, season ticket holders will get preference for that WVU game. Um, but if you can't make it to every game, which is usually like a Tuesday and then like a Friday, Saturday, uh, or a Saturday, Sunday. If you can't make it to every game, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and a Tuesday, Wednesday, midweek, you're probably not going to be wanting to get the season tickets anyway. You know, if you say, well, I'm only going to make it for two or three games. I can't afford to get the season ticket package. Don't worry about the season ticket package. Mm -hmm. If you want to get season tickets and then donate those for the couple of games that you might have to miss, that's a great idea. But if you're thinking, well, I'm, I'm hoping to get there for three games this year, the season ticket package is probably not what you're looking for. <laughs> you know, so don't get caught up in this. It's $7.41 per ticket at the lowest price. And that is sitting right behind one of the dugouts. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, and you're behind, you're on the first base or third base line there for $7.41 per game if you get these. I've seen a lot of people say, well, but you got to buy a brick and you got to count that in and you've got to donate to the Big Green. One, it's five bucks a month. You ought to be doing that anyway. You're going to get that $60 back and then some. We talk about it all the time. Two, this brick is a one-time deal that is helping get the stadium put uh, to the the specs that we want it to be at. But it's going to be there in perpetuity that you're going to have this on the plaza where you can go for 40 years and point and say, hey, this is my brick. And you're going to have a, another brick sent to your house that you can display. Mm -hmm. So this is, this is uh, not part of 
the ticket package. And that's what people are thinking of it that way. What you need to think about it is, is they had to have some kind of qualifier to allow what limited seats there are amongst the demand that is there. Supply versus demand. We need to have a way to make it only so many people get this. Well, they do it in football. You have to, to be a, a, a chair back. You have to donate at a certain level. Why is that? Because there's only so many chair back seats. And if you had 15,000 people wanting to get in there, do you just say, hey, first person that clicks on uh, this at midnight is the person that gets the chair back that year? No. So there's qualifiers that have to be met everywhere. This is a one-time deal with these bricks. It's not like you had to buy a brick every year to get these seats. Yeah. I think, I think, my, I think my one big gripe with this whole thing is that you have a home game that you've separated out and they're saying, well, it's not part of the package. And that's that's like the marquee home game. that Everybody wants to – they're going to want to go see Marshall and West Virginia play. They are. So to exclude that from your season ticket package when it's a home game is is n- not something that I would um, – I don't think I would have done. I, I'm not saying I don't get the philosophy behind it, but, you know, that that's that's one of those things that where you should catch a little flack for that. Because it's a home game in Huntington, and you're buying season tickets, you should have your seat to that game. That's that's just my my take on it. I think a lot of other folks feel the same way about that. If it were in Charleston, I get it, right? Because that's not a home game. But if the game's going to play at Jack Cook Field. It should be included in your season tickets. It just should. I'm, I haven't done this in a long time, but I'm going to reach down here and grab my old speculation hat, put it on. And what I think, and purely speculation, is – they did not want to include that in the package because it would have made the prices that much more because it's a premium game and the sticker shock would have been astronomically higher. So the reason that they put it separate and they said it in the release is season ticket holders get preference. If you want to go to that game, that is your seat. You get the same seat. So the price is just separate. You still have that seat if you want it, but they didn't include it in the overall front price because people were already saying $200. Well, I don't, I'm not going to pay $200. What if it was like 230 because that game is going to be more uh, because of the demand that will be there. Look what happens at softball when Alabama comes it would have been the same thing if we were doing ticketing uh, events here. You couldn't have put that in the price because people would have said, well, I don't want to pay that much because I won't be there for the Alabama game. I'd love to have season tickets, but I'm not going to pay for Alabama and Virginia tech or whatever, because the prices of those marquee events are going to be higher. That's going to price me out of getting season tickets. So I think they separated it. You get first right of refusal to do so. Um, I'm not saying everyone has to agree. I'm not even saying that's the reason. That's my speculation. Yeah. Well, my take, my response to that would be mm-hmm. then that's an enticement to buy season tickets. You don't just jack the price up for that premium game. Do you then use that as a way to sell more season tickets because it is included in the price? And then you, st- the standalone ticket is at a premium. But, you know, I'm not, a, I don't get paid to make these decisions and, and ticketing and all that stuff. There's a fine line between trying to sell the tickets, make them attractive, and then maximize the revenue stream that you get. I understand that. I'm not numb to that fact. I get it. But I'm saying that was a really great opportunity to maybe get some extra fans to go ahead and buy those season tickets. And let's, let's, 
mention one other thing about season tickets here. It's, you should pay. You should know that some of these, if you read the release, some of these sections they have fairly large like allotments that you can get in that section. Some are just two, four, but some of them are eight. So if you're if you're like, well, we're gonna pop for season tickets. Some of these sections like down the down the baseline a little bit. They have eight ticket limits. So if you're on the fence about it. I wouldn't wait too long after the deadline opens to pull the trigger because you may not have the availability of that lower pricing tier that you're counting on having. So just food for thought, right? It's not a perfect setup, but it's not also not an imperfect setup. I can understand the philosophy behind everything. It's just personally, I don't think I agree with exactly everything the way it's laid out. But, you know, it's not going to stop us from buying season tickets. I'll tell you that. Right. Yeah, and I'm going to get them individually as well, uh, along with the podcast. But again, I agree with what you're saying from your perspective, but I don't think that it would have been, uh, you're saying included in there, but you saw the backlash at $200. I imagine it Imagine it being 235 or 225 or whatever with just one more game added. Everyone, everyone would have went through the roof. So um, I don't know. But that's what I'm saying. You don't put it up to 230 you keep it at 200 you just include that game and the single ticket for that game is where you make the the money that's that's what i'm saying i just i don't think that you can do that with the demand that's there i mean that's you're looking at if i had to guess and again pure i've still got that hat on speculation hat you're going to have a huge turnout for the the opening day Mm -hmm. and then you're going to have a huge turnout for the wvu game and the rest of the time, unless we are undefeated or whatever, it's going to be just like my beloved Cincinnati Reds. Everyone goes hog wild on opening day, and there's 300,000 people in, in the streets, and the stadium is sold out. And if they lose that game, brother, you won't see anybody at the next one. It'll be 18,000 people. And I I just feel like that they had to separate that because that is the marquee game. And again, if you got season tickets, you have first right of refusal. If it's $15, if it's $12, whatever that game is going to be per ticket uh, for season ticket holders, maybe it's cheaper for that. And the individual people had to pay higher then. I don't know. Pure speculation. I know. I, I just think it's a, it would be like saying, well, you get football season tickets, but it doesn't include Virginia tech. You know, yeah. it's the it's the same kind of deal. I just I don't like that. If you're gonna have a season ticket, it should cover every ticket for every game at home. That's it. No, nothing else. You know, that's just my loan. That's my loan gripe, and I, I don't think that's a out of pocket gripe. You know, but again, again, I get it. You know, I, I understand. It's year one, there's a lot of excitement. They want to maximize revenue. You maximize revenue. I get it. I just don't agree with that particular move. All right, we need to mention on number six here that we are herd strong games. Uh, You had already talked about that for Friday's soccer game. Well, they did women's soccer and uh, men's soccer have already gone. But if you look at these on herdzone.com, they have uh, several other games. They are all this week. So depending on when you're listening to this, you need to know because we got volleyball, we got uh, football, and let's see here. Do uh, you happen to have those up Mm-mm. on the dates? No, I would have if I'd have known if I'd have known what we uh, needed. I would have yeah. had it. But no, I well, I had it and now I don't. That's so right. this week uh, they're all this week. Yeah. Just look and yeah. see if the, if the game you're going to watch is is a hurt strong game. I've got it here finally. Okay. Uh, it was it was down further than what I thought. But uh, Friday and Saturday have already passed. That was the men's soccer and the women's soccer. Thursday is your next one, James Madison. Uh, 
October 19th, 7 p.m. Uh, volleyball has Friday and Saturday. You've got 6 p.m. and 2 p.m. respectively. Now, here's what you do. If you will uh, go to the article on Herd Zone and submit a story for someone that has that you know about them having cancer and that sort of thing, all fans who are submitted will receive two tickets to each of those games. So, excellent way to get free tickets if you know someone personally. Now, please don't go in and just make someone up. We're talking about cancer. You know, uh, tickets are already uh, cheap for volleyball, and you can get them as cheap as 20 bucks, which we're going to talk about here in a second, for James Madison. So, please honor people that are in your family or friends uh, circle that you know that has cancer. And if you're submitted for that, you can get two free tickets. That's a, that's a really, I didn't know that was going to be, yeah. uh, you know, the, um, the uh, promotion for, yeah. for hurt strong. That's, that's a really, that's a really strong promotion. You know, it really is. So that came out right after we had recorded our last five things, like came out later the day after mm. we, uh, started recording so we didn't have that info but uh for this friday and saturday men's and women's soccer game but uh, yeah you need to need to go over there i know a lot of people that cancer has affected them personally uh so go over there honor the people that you need to honor submit these stories and uh you can find it on herd zone just look for it. we are herd strong we'll tweet that article out again cool yeah all right, I just mentioned it, but number seven is you can use the coupon code ESPN for $20 tickets to JMU on Thursday. Where? Anywhere. Any seats that are available, that does not include uh, the chairbacks, uh, but anywhere seats are available that you can see on that graphic, just go. We've I put the link on Facebook. You put it on Twitter, mm-hmm. but... You can go there and put that promo code in for tickets if you need to find them. $20 for a premier game, 7 p.m. on a Thursday on ESPN Linear. Not ESPN2, not ESPNU, not ESPN+. Plus. It's on ESPN. Should be the highlight of Thursday night. Yep, it'll absolutely be the the biggest game of Thursday night because – that's a primetime slot, you know, mm-hmm. and um, this is one that, you know, Marshall, especially this week, you know, after what we're going to talk about here in a little bit, if they want a crowd to show out, they're going to have to market the absolute hell out of this game. You shouldn't have to because James Madison's undefeated. It's a home game. This is an excellent opportunity to bounce back and and make some real noise in the Sunbelt East. Remember, we beat them in Harrisonburg last year, so this is a really good opportunity, but they're going to have to market the ever-loving hell out of this game if they want to pack Jones C. Edwards Stadium. It's just the way it is. So we'll, we'll talk about a, a lot of what you know might be uh, contributing to some people maybe choosing not to come here in a little bit, but 20 bucks, You can't beat it. Click the link, go to the interactive map, the seat map, find you where you want to go, and buy you some tickets, man. I mean, co- Thursday night, yeah, you might have work Friday morning, but so what? Take care of your shit on Thursday so that you can set yourself up for an easy Friday if you can. Come out and tailgate with us at the Thundercast tailgate. There should be some folks there that you may want to meet and and have a good time with. And, you know, we're still going to tailgate. We're going to tailgate. And then we're going to go watch a really good football game. So 20 bucks, man, I don't know how you can beat that 
for the opportunity and in, in an ESPN game, a primetime game, big Sunbelt East showdown game. There's a lot of reasons to get your ass out there. Look, I'm going to say this, and I hate comparing Marshall to anybody, but you just saw what Appalachian State did on a Tuesday. Tuesday night. They all found reasons to go to that game and pack out their stadium on a Tuesday. Sellout crowd. There is absolutely zero reason that you can't get out on a Thursday to support the herd on ESPN. They do that because they see that as, all right, Tuesday night, we'll sell it out. We can do that. So can we, man. So can we. So can we. And don't give me the wins and losses and all that stuff. Don't do that. Because App State lost the game. You know, Coastal went in there and beat them on a Tuesday night in front of a sellout crowd. Don't give me that. If you want to go, you'll go. If you want to be about it, you'll be about it. And if you want to show out, you'll show out. And Marshall's making it cheaper for you to do that. So why not take advantage and go do it? And if, if you're comfortable sharing a story, you could end up with a couple of free seats to this game. So... How many people have said, these athletes have said, when we have a packed house, when we have a loud house, it helps us. You have an opportunity to help our team beat an undefeated James Madison, which I think they might end up being ranked, uh, you know, when the rankings come out Mm -hmm. later today. Um, We have a great opportunity to play spoiler. We did it against them last year at their house. We went down there. Uh, I think that this is a terrific opportunity not being on espnu not being on espn2 we're on espn regular um we have an opportunity to go there and be loud and be a difference maker to help be that 12th man on offense that 12th man on defense being loud and we are marshall echoing throughout huntington we need to have that so please go to this game please if you don't have tickets do one of these two things we just talked about. Yeah. Yeah, I can tell you for sure. I mean, I, I talked to Owen Porter, and he said there is no better feeling than walking out to a packed Jones C. Edwards Stadium and the noise and, and, and an engaged crowd. And you're right. And there's nothing like a We Are Marshall that just resonates through the airwaves around Jones C. Edwards Stadium and through the city of Huntington. And, the, and look, man, we're going to need it. James yeah. Madison's good. They're really good. And we need to find our way quickly. You know, it's a short week for the herd. It was not an ideal situation in in Atlanta this weekend, and we're going to talk about it, and I'm not shying away from it. I'm not trying to make candy where there's no candy. It was not good. But Marshall has to bounce back, and they have to come out and play. And you can either be the fan that goes, well, when they start winning, I'll support them, or you can go to Jonesy Edwards Stadium, and you can go, I don't care if we're winning or losing. That's my squad, and I'm going to do all that I individually can to help Mm -hmm. them win. Right. If I could be in Huntington, West Virginia, I would be there. I hate living 900 miles away because this is the atmosphere that I would that I like wait on. You know, that that, that it's like, man, all the things you just talked about, ESPN, undefeated team, Sunbelt showdown, all these boxes. Check, 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 check. And I can't go. I can't. It is not a possibility for me. But there are thousands of others that live easily within an hour of Huntington that can go, and it's not mm. that hard. It's not that difficult. It might be a little inconvenient because it's a Thursday, but so what? Wouldn't you like to be there when you dethrone James Madison and 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 take them down a notch again? Yeah. These are the games that you live for. It doesn't have to be Virginia Tech for you to want to drive 15 minutes, 45 minutes down the road. This mm-hmm. is a really good – this is probably the best team in the state of Virginia, James Madison. Best team. Yeah. 
one of the best teams nationally that you're going to see. And we, we owe it to our fandom to show up and be loud. That's I'll say it. I'm not the fan police. You say nope. it all the time. We're not the fan police. But I'm telling you, you will regret not going to games if it's one of those games that you're like, man, we, we beat Virginia Tech or we beat uh, – well, Virginia Tech was a good example. But we uh, beat James Madison at home when I was there. It was a Thursday. I can remember it. You know, yep. uh, whatever it is, you're going to want to be there. You're, gonna, you're not going to want to say – Hey, uh, somebody says, Hey, did you go to that James Madison game a couple of years ago? It's like, no, you know what? We had lost the game before. So I, I just made it a point that I was going to show them. I wasn't going to show up, you know, yeah. Yeah. You, you're going to hate that you missed this game. Yeah. Win or lose. It doesn't matter. You yeah. don't play. You, you go to support the herd. And if you, you got, and if our guys are telling you, Hey, there, we need, we want a packed yeah. house there. There, what, what more do they got to tell you? We want a packed house. Well, help them pack the house, man. Go bring somebody with you, drag a friend, whatever. $20 tickets? Come on. What are you going to do on Thursday night besides you're already probably going to watch it at home if you're not going to go. You may say Mm -hmm. that you're not or whatever. You may say whatever on a message board or whatever, but you're going to watch the game. Go watch the game in person. Be loud and help make a difference. You know, (laughs) we're going to talk about in this game that uh, getting people off kilter with false starts and other things. It can change the impact of a game. You could be that impact. Yeah, Marshall Student Section has done that in every game at home this year. They have caused havoc against opposing offenses, and we're going to need that again. That's another good point. If they really want to try to pack the house and show how vibrant and how exciting Marshall could be, I think they better consider doing something about classes on Thursday night. You know, don't don't make a kid choose. If you want to showcase the city and the school on national television, then do what you can do. Cancel evening classes. Get them out there to to the stadium and not have to make that decision. Like, man, I, can, I really can't afford to miss my night class. You know, I get it. You're there to learn, but I skipped classes for a hell of a lot less than a football game. And so did everybody else that was ever a student at Marshall. And if you say you didn't, you're lying. So... Yeah. Help them do it. Don't get don't don't help them get it or don't uh, lead them into getting an a, uh, absence. Just give the teachers the night off too, man. Give the professors the night off too. Maybe they'll get out to the game. Just, hey, hold just make hold it work. Class, hold class, open invite <laughs> over at my tailgate. It's in the C lot, the Thundercast. You come over there. If you're a professor listening, uh, I promise you, I'll give you space right over there. And I'll even help tutor anyone that needs it. Can't swear that it's going to be good advice. Can't swear <laughs> that I even know how to spell what your class is. But I'm telling you that I'll offer that. You can come over, free food, free drinks, hold class over in the sea lot. There just have a, yeah, we'll just have ourselves a good time, man. That'll that'll be that'll be good. But anyway, that wraps up our seven things every herd okay. fan needs to know this week. As always, brought to you by Nightly. Well. Pretty good, right? Pretty good. Seven things that every herd fan needs to know this week, and I'll tell you, uh, there's still a lot of optimism from me around a lot of our our teams, uh, despite what we saw play out uh, Saturday night in Atlanta. My optimism remains fairly high, and it's just um, it's frustrating to see some of the things that we've seen, right? And and Mm -hmm. you expect a team six games into the season to be trending the in an upward direction and Marshall's really teetering right now. It, it feels like the season is very much, very much at a crux and, you know, we just entered a very, very rough stretch of games. So yeah, the next five, six weeks are going to, well, it's, it's 
of course it's going to make or break your season. It's half the damn season, but it's, it's, it's not going to get any easier for the herd. So let's talk about this game. Let's do it. Georgia state recap hers down to Atlanta, Georgia to take on the Panthers, both four and one in the conference. I mean, four and one on the season herd was one and O in the Sunbelt conference. Georgia state was one and one and Georgia state came out from the get go and, put on an absolutely great game offensively and kind of defensively. They did well too. And special teams, they did well too. It all equates to a 41 to 24 loss for Marshall dropping the herd to four and two on the season. Now one and one in Sunbelt conference East division play. Now also looking up at Georgia state in the tiebreaker column. <sighs> Some of the same storylines reared its ugly head in this one, Russ. Things we thought we might see get corrected after the trend of a couple of games, and it didn't. Okay, so now it's not just back-to-back. It's a streak. These are things that are real issues that are not fixing themselves, that are not going away, and it's flat worrisome. So some of the things that continued this week, the chunk plays that that plagued our defense, that led to not only just touchdowns, but also chain movers. Uh, again, Marshall offensively was bad on third downs, and, and they were not in ideal situations to where they had very many third and short situations. And then the big one that hasn't really happened this to this point is the penalties that killed Marshall. It wasn't like they had 15 penalties. They had eight, as did Georgia State. It's just when they occurred and what they were that absolutely mm-hmm demolished our chances at winning this game. So far this season, we've he, we've seen the herd beat themselves in games, but we haven't seen the herd beat themselves for an entire game. And this is what we saw. The herd beat themselves for an entire game. There were some good things that happened, right? It wasn't just abysmal. This wasn't a 41 to nothing drubbing, but it wasn't enough good to offset the bad. And mm-hmm. and when the bad happened, it amplified how bad it was and just pushed Marshall further and further behind the eight ball. So I think it's time to be real and, and have I, some real conversations. I said it last night to myself. I didn't put it on social media. I was pretty much off social media all evening, hosting some people over the house for a tailgate party and all that. But uh, we lost to two different teams on Saturday. We lost to Georgia State and we lost to Marshall. Mm-hmm. We, we, we really, you already said it, we beat ourselves. And I'm not taking anything away from Georgia State when I say that. That's why I said we lost to two teams. You know, they outplayed us, but we also, even when they outplayed us, we still could have won that game if we didn't beat ourselves. Yeah, even so, going in at 27 to 17, I think at halftime, yeah. I didn't feel like this one was over. No. I felt like, all right, we can come out and we can play some solid football in the second yeah. half and, and we can we can edge out a, you know, 34 to 30 win or something like yeah. that. You know, I just, I felt like it could have happened and, and it, and it didn't happen. So like I said, before you, you made that last comment there, I think it's time to ask some real questions. Uh, it's we're halfway through the season, right? You're, you're halfway through the season and you're four and two. That's great. I mean, you need to go two and four down the stretch to be bowl eligible and nobody in Huntington is going to be happy with six and six after um, the year that we had before and what we had returning this year, the pieces that we brought in, and the continuity really that was uh, along the coaching staff. Nobody is going to be happy with just being 
bowl eligible. So let's get that out right now. The herd is seemingly getting worse on defense. It's it's a bad trend. There's a 43 points a game allowed. Not all those are on the defense, right? There's been a couple a defensive score and a special team score, but that's it. So by and large, it's a lot of opposing offenses scoring the points. Mm-hmm. So we're really struggling on defense right now. It is not getting any better, and that is absolutely petrifying if you're a Herd fan. This is a what I like to call a Jekyll and Hyde offense. At times, they look like you can't stop them, and at times – they just continually shoot themselves in the foot. And then now we have sprinkled in being shaky on special teams. Before it was just, can we be consistent kicking field goals? Well, we seem to figure that out. And then you give up the punt block, you know, and then later in the game, it's a high snap. And John McConnell somehow uncorks a beauty for 56 to thwart what would have been another short field for the Panthers. But or this a is all touchdown. Th- right. This is all three phases. Right, right now that there is just no consistency at all, and that is petrifying as a herd fan. So I think we just have to be real with one another and and what we're seeing. You know, there's a certain amount of things that you can still find positive in, but I don't know if there's uh, enough of it to offset the the justified worry that you can have and that I have. So, what did you see? In this one, what are you seeing now six games through that uh, is is giving you that uneasy feeling? Well, to start off in the first quarter, we had a uh, third down conversion. Really good one. Uh, can't remember the, the yardage right now, but it seems like we needed 14 and we got 16, I think is what it was. And it all came back because of a hold on Ethan Driscoll at left tackle. And that made us go three and out. So instead of getting a first down, we're three and out, and we're back in our um, um, short end of the field. Mm -hmm. That leads to the punt, which uh, McConnell was on about the five or the ten or something like that, seven yards, something. When he goes to punt it, it gets blocked, scooping the score right there. We went from possibly driving down the field, which we had already done once uh, in great fashion, to a senseless holding call, bringing that back. Mm-hmm. All right. And then later we have other penalties that prolongs drives, leads to other touchdowns and stuff like that. That cannot happen in any game. But in this game, you know, one, it allowed them to get the lead on us. And then it allowed them to extend their lead. It's just senseless, senseless penalties. And there were drops that could have extended drives. Uh, a couple of them were past the first down marker, like we've said already several times this year. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk about it. We've got all kinds of things with uh, uh, Fancher where people are saying, hey, you know, he he was this out of this for this many yards. And other people saying, well, some of those should have been downfield. You can add at least two, maybe three more that that would have not been incompletions that would have been, Extending drives. So I just feel like it was, you already said, all three phases. Defense, I don't really know what to say about defense. We got the players. We just do not have the execution. Schematically, it's not working. We don't have the tackles. I don't know if it's the the formations. I don't know if it's, you know, uh, 
I don't know. You know, I'm not a defensive coordinator. Me, me but neither. I, but but if you see the same plays run every week and you can't stop them, then what the hell are we doing here? You know, where does the blame lie? Right, because your players ha- can only run the plays that they are told to run. Right, right. you can only defend your responsibility. Right. So if you're seeing the same thing and we know it, if every fan knows what we're going to see early in the games, both opposing fans and her fans, they know what we're going to see and it still works. So what the hell is going on here? I don't, it's, it's so frustrating because we said we had such high hopes for this herd team, you know, this defense, the defense, particularly, we expected them to be stifling. We were told that they were probably going to be even more dangerous in some aspects than they were last year. And it's just the, the, the numbers don't back it up. The yeah. numbers just don't back it up. Yeah, so, we, we were we were very bullish on this defense going into the season. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, several games in we were talking about, well, hey, it was only if you erase these uh botched uh coverages, you know, that was the only three touchdowns they've given up in two games. You know, if yeah. you erase this, well, those have continued. But then we're also giving up the non-chunk plays of yeah. the eight yards here and the 240 yards rushing, you know, in, in games. And it's just, it's, it's sickening as a herd fan to know what we could be doing. Uh, yep. I will say real quick, if we were saying nine and three, I think mm-hmm. both of us kind of mm-hmm. said that is where we expected them. Four and two wouldn't be that crazy considering NC State was on the board preseason when we were looking at these, and none of us went down and said, well, this is a win, this is a win, this is a loss, this is a win, that sort of thing. But overall, we said there would be one game that we might not put everything together. It might not be our night. It might be that we um, crap the bed and just, you know, whatever. Turnovers got us, you know, crazy play here and there. We lose a game we should have won. This is it. Now it's how we rebound from here, right? Yeah, yeah. But we're already having to go five and one to hit our uh, prediction for nine and three, and that's a tall order in just about any year. Yeah. But you're looking at the Sun Belt schedule right now, and <laughs> yeah, you got James Madison, who is probably going to be ranked when we go to play him yeah. on Thursday, and then we still got. Uh, Coastal, we've still got uh, App, we've still got Arkansas State, who. Uh, you know, they're down, but they have beat some teams that, you know, you would say, I never expected that to happen. And then you've got uh, Georgia Southern still to play. Yeah. So, and South Alabama. So South Alabama. I forgot about that. So yeah. this is, it's not getting any easier. You're talking no. about road games against App, Coastal, and South Alabama. Yeah. Road games. So no, I, I always stick by my predictions. I know we're talking about what's going wrong here, and it's and it's merited because there's a lot yeah. going wrong, man. But I always stick by my predictions until they're just not a possibility anymore. So nine and yeah. three has been my prediction. I won't shy away from that. No, I'm not packing in the season either right. because we lost to Georgia State. And I saw on social media before I sat down to uh, we sat down to do the the episode here. Somebody said, um, you know, during the Huff era. 
Marshall always seems to lose a game that it should win. And I qualified that by saying, during my entire fandom as a Marshall fan, we've always lost a game that we should have won. This is not a new thing in the Coach Huff era. So I'm not going to allow that to be put on him because Marshall teams have underperformed against certain opponents since I was in the MAC, since we were in the MAC. And I remember being a herd fan in the beginning. You know, the only outliers that you can think about that are really like, okay, 99, you went undefeated. Even in Mm -hmm. 2014, when you field a team that is a conference champion, you lose at home to Western Kentucky, a team you should not have lost to. Right. But so you just can't pin that on this coaching staff. It's happened yeah. for decades, right? And it's not it's not only our school. It's our it's magnified for our school because we watch and yeah. follow every yeah. single game. But look at anyone in the history. Georgia has lost to someone they shouldn't have. Alabama has lost to someone they shouldn't have. Ohio State has lost to someone they shouldn't have. And on and on and on. It's not like this is the reason they play the games. They don't just go at the beginning of the year and hit simulate just like on NCAA football and say, oh, here's your record and here's your bowl. Oh, you won that bowl and you're in the playoffs. It does not work that way. You play the games for a reason. And it's not this coaching staff. It's not the last two coaching staffs. It's not the last three. It happened under Pruitt. I was going to say, boys, Bobby Pruitt lost to Bowling Green, too. You know, go go ask Bobby Pruitt about Akron. Go ask Bobby (laughs) Pruitt about Toledo. You know, you know, you remember that MAC championship game that we lost to Toledo, you know, and it, it happens. It's never fun because you're so emotionally invested in your team. It also, you know, I feel like we know our team so well that we know right now we could be six and zero. Of course, but but even though we could have won both of these last two games and everything, the odds are you're not going to start out six and zero. Look yeah. how many teams are not undefeated right now versus how many that are. Yeah, and there's a lot of well, they lost a game they shouldn't have in there. Very few offenses can overcome allowing an opposition to have 43 points on average. That's 41, 48, and 41 in the last three games. And like I said, not all of those fall on the defense. It's a special teams block punt for touchdown and um, another defensive score. But it doesn't matter. You, you, you have Very few teams are going to overcome that amount of points allowed to an opponent. Let me talk about these indicators and let's start talking about what our guys yeah. did because we need to get the grades. There's a lot of um, information that I wrote down, especially when I revisit my keys to victory that you brought up earlier. I know you didn't mean to do this, but you did, and I actually ha- happened to chart this. Um, indicators. Georgia State, man, they 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 handled their business. They outgained the herd 474 to 457. Time of possession, nearly 10 and a half minutes for Georgia State to the good. 24-43 for Marshall, 35-17 for Georgia State. Uh, 25 first downs to 23 also edged Georgia State. Third downs held true again, 4 of 11 for the Herd, 7 of 15 for Georgia State. Penalties, Marshall actually got the edge here. Both teams had 8, Marshall just 77 yards, Georgia State 80 yards. But again, it's what we had and when we had them that really did not give us the edge. And then turnovers also go to Georgia State. Marshall had 1, Georgia State had 0. Players, Cam Fancher had a great game. I don't care what people say he had a great game. 27 of 34, a 79.4% completion percentage for 301 yards, one touchdown, zero turnovers for Cam Fancher, something we've been calling for all season long. We finally saw it. 
He did get sacked three times. He had 10 carries for nine yards to the good. Of course, account for the sack yardage off of that total. Now, that's three career 300-yard rushing or passing performances for Cam, and Marshall is what? 0-3 in those games. The trend continues. Rasheen Ali, 19 carries for 103 yards on the day, two touchdowns on the ground for a long of 53, 5.4 yards per carry. Another four receptions for 71 yards, which leads the herd, and a touchdown on that beautiful 65-yarder where he caught it in traffic, spun out, made a move, and scampered down the sideline. That was an awesome play. Ethan Payne had four carries for 46 yards, including a long of 18, and added two receptions for 20 yards. Another great game for Ethan Payne while um, taking up some time for Ali. They were trying to lighten Ali's load in this one, you could tell. Daryl Simmons was leader in the clubhouse for the herd from a reception standpoint. Six of them, second on the team for 66 receiving yards. Jaden Harrison had four catches for 49 yards. Um, here's what you got to say. 454 yards of total offense. Looks great on paper. Uh, 301 passing yards. Looks great on paper. Uh, but the costly holds and a drop on a third down conversion killed the herd. And the penalties negated a lot of what we were able to do. So... Points came off the board because of penalties. Man, it was it was just rough. Yeah. Um, you know, holding calls that negated big conversions that you talked about that were just unnecessary penalties. You know, they were. We just shot ourselves in the foot early on and continued to do it at key moments throughout the game on both sides of the ball, but particularly on offense. You take points off the board, you're not going to win very many games by doing that, and that's exactly what Marshall did. Yeah. You want to go down keys one one by one? Because I've got mine up, too. Well, then let me shoot through defensive player stats and special teams, okay. and we'll do that. All right, so All defensively right. for the herd, J.J. Roberts led the way. 15 total tackles in this one. Get this one. 13 of those were solo. Dude was flying around all over. Owen Porter had 10 total tackles before those solo, a tackle for loss, and a sack. Elijah Austin, uh, J.C. Anderson, and Tyquez Legs, all five tackles apiece. Austin, all five of his were solo. He added two tackles for loss and the other herd sack. J.C. had three of his solo and Legs, two solo. Uh, this herd defense allowed 20 first-half points. They're not getting credited for the blocked punt for touchdown because that's not on them. Uh, they allowed over 300 yards of first-half offense to Georgia State. Uh, that is just a recipe for disaster, but perhaps the biggest note that you have to account for, Eli Neal exits the game early, and it is unknown of his status for James Madison if Eli Neal is going to miss this week and any amount of time, and already reeling her defense could get worse and that is not an ideal situation also we saw jc anderson go out late and they mentioned that he may not be back in the game i never really saw if he came back in or not they just showed the shot of him on the exercise bike but he still remained in pads eli was in street clothes yeah. so we'll have to keep a closer eye on that um the bullet points for this one russ is the the fall in production from 2022 is absolutely petrifying i used that word earlier and it is it's scary you know, the, the opponents are averaging 43 points a game over our last three. I mean, it's, 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 I don't know. I don't know what to say, you know. Uh, special teams-wise, Reese Verhoff had a good solid day. One of one on field goals went for 21, three of three on extra points. McConnell had four total punts for 47.3-yard average, along of 56 on that busted play that he made something out of nothing. Kudos to him. Three of those punts uh, landed inside the 20, but, of course, one blocked punt for touchdown, and then Jaden Harrison just one kick return for 23 yards. 
Now we can roll into keys if you would like to. I'll let you start. What was your number one key? Yeah, so I had five and you had four, if I remember correctly. So mm-hmm. if I do, mine starts. So number one was create turnovers on Granger. Didn't happen. He fumbled once. They recovered it. So zero turnovers for Granger. That's a big red X. Yeah. I'd also like to account for that we created another turnover that we just did not jump on the ball yeah. fast enough. Uh, yeah. That's very uncharacteristic. Very uncharacteristic. It could have been a, a scoop and score, you know, because he just didn't see it there. But, I mean, there was nobody around him if he would have picked that up and ran. Now, are you talking about the one that was from the hit on Alston, I think, that created it? Because I'm yeah. talking about the one that uh, was on the ground while they were driving in to score and, and Porter was standing there and just didn't jump on it. And he was like, oh, crap, that might be live. But their guy jumped on it first. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah, and two different ones that I'm talking about. Yeah. Two different ones that we could have had that were there. Um, And uh, they ended up, uh, the one I'm talking about, now that I think about it, they ruled an incomplete pass. Yeah, they did. Yeah, but I was talking about the early one, and I thought, man, why are we not jumping on this ball? And and social media was igniting the same thing. Like, what what, what, what are we watching? What, you know, and, and that could have change the trajectory there because that's a that's a thwarted uh touchdown i don't know if it was a touchdown drive but i'm pretty sure they got points out of that anyway my number one key to victory was eliminate the chunk plays and we absolutely didn't do that we allowed a 74 yard touchdown pass we allowed a 24 yard touchdown run to granger and we allowed another 31 yard pass and an additional 20 yard run let technically not a chunk play right chunk plays are plays of 20 yards or more but I've got to give you these stats. You mentioned it, and I can't believe I charted this, but I did. Runs of nine-plus yards for Georgia State. There were nine yard, nine runs of at least nine yards, and that doesn't account a couple more that went for seven and eight. Passes of nine-plus yards, six of – seven, I'm sorry, seven of them. Sixteen total plays of nine-plus yards – for Georgia State, out of 73 total plays ran. 22% of their plays went for nine-plus yards. That opening drive that they had looked like it was the easiest thing on the planet. I mean, it was two great runs and then pass – or one run and then four consecutive pass plays right to the end zone with a big – capped off by that big, long 24-yard rush by Granger. I mean, wow. They came out, and it, and it worked. And then they follow it up with a blocked punt. You know, Mark, we went down and scored. Ali rips the 50-yarder, and then we score, and it looked great for us too. But then they get the blocked punt, and it was like, wow. But the chunk plays just absolutely did not go away. It, it was it was rough, man. What was your number two? Convert points in the red zone. And you could say, well, we hit the red zone this many times, and we scored this many times. But I had qualified that by saying you can't leave points on the board. Mm-hmm. You get down there, you can't take a field goal when you should have had a seven. And you can't uh, take a goose egg when you should have had a three or a seven. So I'm going to put a red X on that one as well because Ali had a touchdown, got called back because we uh, held by Matillo, and we ended up getting three. So there's four points right there. So I'm going to say no. We did not convert the points in the red zone to the maximum efficiency that we needed to. Yeah, and if that touchdown stands, you go into the half, what is it, 27 to 21 at that point? Instead of 27-17, it's a different game. Marshall's coming out with getting the ball. Uh, My number two key to victory was Marshall has to win first and second down to keep them in third and short scenarios. They didn't. Uh, Of the – we had third and five or longer, the herd offense faced that eight times in the game. 
right? And we saw what they were on third down conversions. They had a really great one. Like you said, a third and 16, that was a really great conversion. Or third and 14, I think Jaden Harrison got 16. Yeah. Um, that was that was really solid, but you can't do that once a game. I mean, you have to do that multiple times a game, and you can't be in third and 14, you know, or third and five or longer eight times. You know, that just doesn't spell success. So uh, we just did not win first and second down. Again, there were times that we had a, you know, got a really solid gain on first down. And then it would be a handoff to Ali and you'd lose two yards. And now you're right down there at third and, you know, whatever, third and medium or longer. And it just, it didn't work. So what was your number three? Number three is, quote, contain Granger. Not mm-hmm. stopping, but containing. Big red X there. He had three touchdowns, two on the ground, one in the air. Uh, 243, I think, on passing and 62 maybe on rushing. But he basically picked us apart and we did not contain him. See, I'll tell you what, it, it did show, though, when they were able, like we said, to move him off of his spot and get him throwing on the run, he was far less accurate. And Marshall saw success when they were able to do that, but they couldn't do it consistently enough. Yeah. And he still made plays on the move. I'm not saying yeah. he didn't, but his their success rate dropped when he was on the move trying to complete passes. And it if does he was for- able to just drop back and, 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 and read the defense and make throws, he, he did that quite a bit. It- and it does for just about everybody when you create pressure on them and put them outside of the box and they have to throw on the run and throw mm-hmm. throwing deep balls and throwing on the run, you're less accurate than when you're back there just playing pitch and catch. But we had talked about containing him to the point where he didn't have the three touchdowns, containing him to where he wasn't a dual threat, that we we took him out of the running game or whatever, and we just didn't. So yeah. I'm, I'm giving him a red X there too. Yeah, my number three was basically ball security, right? I said you have to catch the ball first to convert the third down uh, and no turnovers, and we saw a third down drop that took away a conversion early in the game, and we saw Rasheen Ali uncharacteristically fumble the football, which was the lone turnover that Marshall lost. And, yeah, it, it, it contributed to the loss, because we were doing something. You know, we were moving the ball a little bit. Mm-hmm. So another X for me. What was number four for you? Number four is stop the big plays. I don't think that I need to qualify that one, Big Red X. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nope, absolutely did not. My number four, if you remember, was win what I call the fifth quarter. The last half I said in this game, the fifth quarter was going to be the last half of the third, first half of the fourth. Absolutely didn't do that because we didn't score at all in the fourth quarter. And uh, that's when you see <laughs> things go wrong, like penalties bad penalties and and the turnover was kind of sprinkled in that neighborhood as well and that was almost where they magnified the worst occurrences outside of penalties pulling points off the board those were the worst the roughing the kicker penalty the roughing the punter penalty that was that was the one thing you couldn't do right because marshall had the momentum we had the momentum we had just scored and 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 hold them on a three and out if they punt we get the ball back, and we go down, and we can change the course of this game. And what happens? You rough the kicker. You rough the punnel. They extend the drive. A couple of plays later, you get a uh, offsides on legs. It's compounded with a pass interference on Micah Abraham, and then boom, right into the end zone, and this one's out of reach. So they did not win the fifth quarter. Four X's for me on keys to victory. What was your last one? My last one was the receiving core, that someone had to step up. We had to not have our drops. We had to be uh, consistent in getting open with crisp routes, making separation. Uh, I don't feel like we did that. Uh, I feel like a couple of the sacks may have been because we didn't have somebody open. Now, 
we are going to talk here in a little bit that there were times that people were open and we did not get the ball to them. Mm -hmm. So I'm not giving anybody a blanket pass by saying this, but the receiving core had at least two big drops. I had one by Coombs that would have been a first down on a third down conversion. Past the chains, he drops it on a slant. That has happened at least, I think, three games in a row, not with Coombs, but somebody on a slant past the line of scrimmage, ball hits them in the hands, and they drop it. Mm -hmm. Drops have been a problem all season. Chuck Montgomery also had another one. Uh, I'm thinking we had three, but I know we at least had those two with Montgomery and Coombs. I'm giving a red X on there. So goose egg for me, 0 for 5 on my keys, 0 for 4 for yours. Yeah, it's not surprising that Marshall was on the downside of this game. We didn't do anything either of us thought we needed to do to win. All right, let's go into grades. What do you got for Cam? He goes over 300. He makes some crisp throws. He makes some <laughs> non-throws. Let's put it that way. He doesn't make some throws that he needed to make. So what do you got for Cam overall in this one? I've got a uh, B-plus for him. I feel like uh, he made the throws that, that he did throw. But you can't have Demarcus Harris streaking five yards past two defenders, and you don't throw it mm -hmm. at all. You know what? Who cares if you overthrow it by ten yards? No one's going to intercept that. Yeah. But that could have been six right there in a time that we really needed six. Yeah. And he didn't throw it. I don't know if it was a vision, if it was a uh, confidence thing. I don't know what it was. And the highlight or the replays did not show both at the same time where Cam was, where he was looking as they showed the separation. So I would have loved to have seen that play from a different perspective to see where everyone was. But we just had him wide open. And I don't know why we didn't. Yeah, I mean, just throw that was the damn a, that, ball. That, that ended up being a scramble by Cam. Yeah, so yeah. What, he what got I, five yards. What I think maybe is like he just tucked it just too quick. He didn't let that play maybe fully see what the potential was there. But man, those are the ones you just have to have. And and I, I still I, I don't get it, man. You know, I'm I'm very supportive of of Cam because I think yeah. he's he's not the problem here. Like everybody right. thinks he's the problem. He's not the problem. But it just continually sticks in my crawl that he will not uncork the pass. Just yeah. he will not cut it loose. And I don't get yeah. why. You know, yeah. especially when you have a guy that has beat two defenders. Yeah. Has tons of air between yeah. them and the closest defender. Like that's the one you just have to rear back and rip. Yeah. Just throw it to the end zone and let him run underneath it. You just you know? have to do that. And and yeah. that's really the thing that's bothering me that he won't do. And it's game after game, he won't do that. But if I, I cannot be mad at nearly 80% completion percentage. I don't give a shit if people say, well, it's screen passes, it's short passes, it's all yards after catch. First off, it's not. There yeah. are downfield passes, but yeah. also second, my argument with that is Georgia State did the same damn thing and it worked. Right? Yeah. They ran screenplay after screenplay, and it worked for 8, 9, 10 yards, 15 yards. It worked. And so, go, go back and chart these games and watch these games a second time and you know just, just pay attention to how many times that we're throwing the ball 15 to 20 yards down the field. And people are saying we don't have the deep ball. What are you wanting from a deep ball? 
you know, we've seen, you know, 30 yards, we've seen 39 yards, we've seen, you know, and I'm not talking about yards after the catch, I'm talking about in the air. Sure. We've seen those. So are we looking at 55? I mean, generally that doesn't happen, you know? Yeah. Guys, uh, Randy Moss ain't raw, walking through that door. Yeah, you don't have it, the cat, the guy that's just going to, you just drop back and throw it as hard as you can, as far as you can, yeah. you know, that that's so, not going to happen right now. So you've got to have the receivers like we had talked about. And last year, you know, we had brought that up with Gamage and everything, with his height and everything. You would think that he would have some separation and be able to go. And we didn't have it. And it mm -hmm. wasn't necessarily with the quarterback that we were talking about that. We're like, hey, with his height, you ought to be able to throw a jump ball down there. And you couldn't because there was no separation. And we have had um, a lot of people saying we don't have a deep ball. I mean, it's not one person. It's not five people. It's 30 people saying we don't have a deep ball. Well, if you look at the success rate in deep balls, are you willing to trade two or three more touchdowns for two or three more interceptions? I feel like there would be a lot of complaining about, well, we're throwing the ball and, and we're just not hitting. That's usually what happens on a deep mm -hmm. ball. I can't tell you how many. I just came across a Facebook memory the other day, and I, I'd love to go back and see. It was two or three days ago from the 2013 season that – uh I said, well, we're 0 for 47 on the deep ball. Perhaps we should throw something else. <laughs> that was Rakeem Cato when he had 37 touchdowns, by the way. Right. And we had missed every single attempt that we had in that game while I was watching that game. Mm -hmm. And that's why the success rate is so much harder. But you've got to have those Josh Davis, those uh, uh, De Niro Marriott's you know, uh, spider Watts, you've got to have those, not to mention cold claw, uh, Moss long, all the guys that we've had here over the years, we're just not getting that downfield threat. We had it one time this game, we missed throwing it at him. Well, we didn't even, we just didn't throw it. Right. Well, no, we missed throwing it at him. We oh didn't yeah. Throw. yeah. That's just what a bad, I mean. it was a yeah. non throw. Yes. I get what yeah. you're saying, but yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to give cam a B plus two, by the way, because he did go over 300 yards and he made some plays and was he made right he even made right read and he didn't turn the freaking ball over. Yeah. I mean and he dang. got he got hammered all game long. He did. He got abused all game long. The, the, you know, they called one. The first one was more egregious than the second one, and they called the second one. Too. Yeah. So he was taking a beating. Um that was that was that's not ideal, right? So that's a whole nother argument. You know, the, the guy's taking some abuse, like physically. He's getting beaten up in these games, and, and to sustain well, however many in a row we have to play, nine or ten in a row, that's got yeah. to go away. Like, that yeah. has to stop, or else you will see McMahon or Pennington in there in one of these games in short order because he he's tough as shit, man. And I tweeted that during the game. He's yeah. tough as nails. There's no way you can deny that now. And, and, and I'm going to go so far as to say people, you know, folks were saying – well, you know, he's winning behind Ali and this great defense. Well, there's no more great defense. And Ali's been solid, but he's been bailing out our defense a lot. You know, they're yep. giving up a lot of points, and he's driving us down the field and putting points back on the board. Yep. So if you're going to say it one way, then say it the other way. Yeah. Right? It's it, You just can't keep denying this because you don't want to think it's not true. And, right? and maybe I'm being a little too tough on him with my grade. I did a C-plus, like I said, but – um you know, we didn't have any botched handoffs. We didn't have any false starts or delay of games that were on him. Mm -hmm. uh, we those were all on the offensive line. The false starts that we had this this time, uh, no delay of game, no turnovers, like you said. 
good, solid game. Uh, I'm probably being way too tough on him with a C plus. Uh, I just feel like there were a couple of times that we could have stretched the field further. A couple of those though, they're on the wide receivers. Yeah, they are. And it, I'll say this, I'll give them a pass on a couple of those penalties because uh, it, it, it was blatantly obvious that Georgia State was blowing a train horn while we were trying to go through our cadences and stuff. And I cannot for the life of me believe that the officials didn't stop the game and just say, hey, you can't do that. Just just make it known that you're aware of it, right? Yeah. Because they did it. And, and it caused several penalties, and that's just that's that's not fans being loud. That's a controllable noise that the university is allowing to happen, and that's just not something you should do. That's just that's a bad that's just bad. Yeah. Anyway, uh offensively, what do you got? C minus. I feel like, you know, we had Ali over a hundred. We had three total touchdowns. We had Fancher over three hundred uh with a passing touchdown. Uh, we had 454, was it? Yep. Uh, off, offensive uh, yards. Uh, but we just had way too many penalties. We had way too many drops. We had what, you know, Coach Huff calls Marshall beaters. Well, they beat Marshall. Yeah. And uh, the good did not outweigh the bad. We, we had a couple times we went down uh, 56 yards. I mean, 56 seconds, we went 70-some yards. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we had some great drives, and then we had, like, a fumble, or we would have a third-down drop, or we would have a third-down uh, hold or a, a false start or something. So I'm giving C-minus overall. Again, maybe a little too tough because there was a lot of good there, but I think when it happened bad, it happened bad. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. It looks good on paper. All those yards yeah. look great on paper. Individually, those totals look great. Ali had a great day. You can't take away, you know, 170-something total yards through the air and on the ground, three total touchdowns. That's a great game. And there were guys individually that con- contributed big plays in moments. But overall, it wasn't nearly enough. It wasn't nearly enough. And I don't know what this – I don't know that this offense is capable of – getting in shootouts week after week and and being able to outpace all of the offenses that we're going to have to be in a shootout with. You know, they can, only, they can only do so much, and I don't know that they're built to quick strike enough to go get in these 40-point shootouts every week. I think the potential's there, but they just continually have pissed down their leg when they've got times that they could go down and strike. You know, it looks like that we're set up and ready to go. The momentum's going our way. Then something stupid happens. It just caps it and turns it in the other direction. Yeah. So you're right. Not enough. C C plus or C minus is pretty fair, despite the big numbers that are out there. You know, 27 points is not going to win you this ball game, obviously. So let's move into defense. What do you got? D minus. And this was as close to an F as I could have gotten. I feel like there were some good things that happened. Uh, but there just wasn't enough of it. We gave up way too many big plays. We gave up way too many of those, as I was saying, eight to nine. You you had done it at nine yards, but it seems like if they needed five, they got eight. You mm-hmm. know? That's exactly uh, right. And there's just too much of it. And this is – I'm probably being too generous with them with a D-minus and too tough on the offense and can uh, with their C-plus and C-minus. So I'm going D minus. I tell you what worried me that I noticed about myself watching this game. When Georgia State would be in a third and eight, third and nine, I didn't feel confident that they weren't going to pick it up. 
It, yeah. I just felt like, well, they're going to get 12, you know, and, yeah. and they would. It seemed like they would. If it was third, like you said, if it was third and five, they'd get eight. If it yeah. was third and 10, they'd get 12. And yeah. it was always on some basic play call. It wasn't yeah. anything extravagant or well thought out or not, it was just like a basic screen pass or a basic handoff and, you know, and Carol goes for 12. And you're like, what the hell? I, we're running the same plays and we're not doing, executing nearly this well. So and they're, it, they're- Go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I just didn't feel like that it was a super creative game plan that was just slicing up this hurt defense. That that's I think really what's really frustrating is like it's it looks like basic stuff. It's screenplays and handoffs and zone reads and and the stuff everybody runs. And and it could have gotten worse because they ran a, a quick the ten yard cushion, the staple of Marshall defenses for as long as I can remember. Killed him in that opening drive. Ten yard cushions the whole time, and yeah. they ran a seven yard route, and then it would go for another three or four yards after the catch. But the big one that they got away with was a quick slant that the receiver dropped, and he was mm-hmm. off to Robert the races. Lewis, yeah, off and to the nobody races. Nobody around him. Yeah, and they had already scored on that same kind of play—a slant to Talik Williams, and he took it for seventy-four for a touchdown, mm-hmm. untouched. And Robert Lewis looked like he was going to do the same thing. Uh, no, and we brought it up earlier. You brought up uh, if we just pick up the ball that's laying there, you know, that was one. But I think the uh, penalty would have negated it anyway, if I'm remembering correctly. But one of the throws hit J.J. Roberts in the back. I mean, oh, yeah, yeah. If, if you turn around, I mean, you know, you just pick it off. There were a couple yeah. others. I mean, I get it. He's late. He's late getting over. So he's trying to. You know, he's focused on catching up to the receiver. He's not playing the ball. He's late right. getting over. So I get it. But yeah, that's one of those things. If, if he's, if it's not, a, it's nothing he did, you know. Sure. But if he was, happened to be, let's say, lined up pre snap three steps closer to where that play went, he probably is afforded the luxury to look for the ball and probably yeah. picks that ball off. Yeah. So it was a little bit of bad luck for the herd, stuff like that. But it was also just an overall lack of execution. And, 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 um, you know, Georgia State, Ran their offense and it worked. Yeah, I mean, it, it worked. Especially and other other also. than Troy. No, I was just going to say other than the Troy game, Georgia State has done that all year long. So. Yeah. Uh, special teams, I have an F. Um, you know, you can't give up a block punt touchdown. I don't care that we had uh, perfect uh, kicking from uh, Verhoff. Uh, we had a bad snap that could have been another six very mm-hmm. easily or given them the ball down on the five. Mm-hmm. And uh, McConnell got that off, and it was 58 yards, I think, is what they uh, put on on the stat sheet. Uh, and he had a solid punting game the rest of the game for the ones he got off. But you cannot do what you do. You cannot do what I think was running into because he – you know, tumbled into him. I don't think that he was trying to rough the passer. And that to me is not, you know, if you're flying through the air and roll onto the ground and hit him, I feel like that's running into. However, it was called what it was. You got to stand by it and you shouldn't put yourself in the damn situation to begin with, you know? So that were those two right there. I feel like would have given it an F because that was a 14 point swing both ways. Yeah. And what did we lose by 14? But special teams was not good the whole game. No, you, I mean, Verhoff only kicks one field goal. So, you know, he yeah. did his job, and he continues to do his job over the past three, four weeks. He's he's yeah. he's a real bright spot on that unit when it was struggling for the first couple of weeks. But the blocked punt for a touchdown, inexcusable, right? 
Um, the, the second additional bad snap that could have been absolutely disastrous is inexcusable. But you, you'll notice the second, the first punt after the block, they came after that one too. And he, yeah. he kind of got that one away. It wasn't really like, oh God, that almost got blocked. But you could tell that it was, um, th- that they made that a point of emphasis after. Well, we got one. Let's come after this one. Yeah. And I think that was kind of spooking the, the, the long snapper a little bit. You know, it added pressure. It's something you don't really see. And it showed up later in the game with a bad snap. But uh, the, the one thing that you could not do was rough the punter. That yeah. was the one thing you couldn't yeah. do. And if you go back and you watch the play, you, he goes into the air and you kind of see one of the linemen kind of give a shoulder flip to kind of get him up there. And I don't think it really had an impact one way or another. But just in real time, that looked bad. The optics of it looked bad. The, the punter took a bad tumble. And, and so, you know, I see why it was called. It, you know, roughing is supposed to be like when the punter has his leg up in the air and you come straight at him and it's impossible yeah. for injury, right? Yeah. That's really not what this was, but either way, that's what it was called. But it's still, it's still, you can't do that. Yeah. And and Marshall forces a three and out and a punt and it's herd ball and we had just scored and now we get a three and out and we're going to go back down the field and change this game. And, and they end up with a touchdown it. drive. And they end up with a touchdown. So fair grade. What, one other thing that I want to say about special teams, you go back this year and you look at the six games that we've had so far, how many times can you recall that when we punted the ball, the the receiving team had maybe 10, 15 yards of nobody there? Now, that's McConnell maybe booming them and everything, which you want to do, but they have room to move. Now, mm-hmm. think about us. How much space has Talik Keaton and Mason Pierce had to fill the ball and do anything? Usually yeah. – it has to be a fair catch because they're already there. Either we're going against the best punters in the, the world six games in a row, or we're doing something to where we're not giving our guys space. Now, I understand if we're going up against some people that are only kicking at 35 yards, by default, you're probably not going to have enough room to make a move. But we have zero daylight anywhere. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's a technique. I don't know if it's a formation. I don't know if it's an execution thing, but we have got to be able to field the ball and at least be able to make a football move and try to break something. We have not had any window all year long. Yeah, and that, that's frustrating because you need those things. We have exciting players that can flip a field, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, coaching staff, what do you got? D, uh, not prepared on the uh, – um, on some of the aspects that we faced, uh, I feel like, and maybe it's on the defense execution, but I feel like at game six, it's got to be some on the coaching to where if they're doing a, an RPO or a zone read option or whatever, and you're selling out on the running back and just letting Granger walk untouched for seven yards, somebody's got to make that read and be on that guy. Uh, I also feel like, um, with the special teams things, those are coachable things that we've talked about. You know, you can't get the, um, um, you can't allow them to get that block. You know that you're backed up against your goal line, that that's an opportunity for the team. Anytime, I don't care what the score is, if you're close to your own goal line and you're punting, it's an opportunity for for another team to dial it up and and really bring the house. You've got to be prepared for that. I feel like we were unprepared for that. I feel like we were unprepared on defense for knowing what Granger was going to do with his runs uh, with him and Carroll. And I feel like it is something that you have to do with these penalties to just say, guys, penalties have been killing us. 
we're not going to have penalties. There was there was none of that this game. I got to go with a D. Yeah, it's fair. Halfway through the season, if you if the same problems keep occurring, somebody's got to take the blame. Somebody's got to yeah. take accountability for it. You yeah. You know, you can't just say we got to get that cleaned up. You know, and that's yeah. not a, that's not a shot at Huff. It's not. Yeah. But no, that's coach at, speak from everybody. At some point, it's got to get cleaned up. Right. Right. You can't yep. just continue to say we got to do it. Well, it's got to yep. it's got to happen. Right. Yep. So you're halfway through the season. Four and two, I still think most fans would be like, hey, I'll take four and two halfway through the season, you know, because that's a good start to the season. This yep. one sucks because it was one that you killed yourself all game long. Right. Yep. But a lot of that has to fall on the it, praise goes to the player. Any good leader, any good coach is going to take all of the blame and take none of the praise. Right. Yep. That's just how leadership works. That's what a good leader does. So your responsibility and your accountability also has to start from the top and your players that, that are accountable are probably by and large, your leaders on the, they don't need to be told they're accountable. They just know they're accountable. Right. So it's, it's, it's just, there's a lot to be concerned with six games through the season right now. You know, um, the defense is not getting more stout. It's getting more porous. It feels like, you know, the, the, the 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 hallmarks of this defense over the past number of years stopping the run being really good on third down you know all of that kind of stuff it was exposed it's been exposed a little bit more and more each week right we've been steadily steadily getting gashed on the run we knew Georgia State was going to be a good third down team it was just amplified they they picked up so many third and longs third and medium and third and longs when we had opportunities to get off the field we just didn't so yeah. they we weren't ready we weren't we weren't ready to to compete fully in this game we just weren't so yeah. fair grade fans. We got fans. I've got to see. I wish I could have seen more of what our uh, part of the crowd looked like down there, because uh, I would say uh, we had a good showing. If I know how many people we have in the Atlanta area and everything, I just didn't see that from the cameras that they did. But uh, also uh, looking at the social media aspect, we still got a lot of people that just won't back off of the edge or the ledge when we lose a game mm -hmm. losses are going to happen. Brother, I have been there. I feel like <laughs> you and I have talked about that when we were younger. We did that quite a bit. You, a know, lot, yeah. you, you said, Hey, don't talk to me for two days. after a loss, <laughs> you know? uh, But now that we're older, you know, yeah. we're, we're, we're old men. Now losses are going to happen. And you can't say we're going to go eight and four. We're going to go nine and three. And then when one of those three or one of those four happen, you just go, we'll never win another game. <laughs> you know? so just, just back off of it a little bit. But I saw so many people on the other side of the coin, trying to talk people down and saying, yeah, it sucked. Yeah. This was a bad game, but we've got some positives. So I'm giving right in the middle a C. Yeah, fair enough. I'm not even going to speak on it. I mean, it, it could have been worse, you know, but it wasn't worse. It was all right. Um, but let me let's just, let me give your overall grades and let's do these MVPs. What's your overall? Uh, I, I've got uh, overall a um, – I'm going to go with a D. I keep okay. going back and forth from a D and an F. I saw enough glimpses there to know that we still could have won that game as bad as we played. So I'm going to upgrade it to a D. I think that D is the upgrade, right? Because you're you're you just said it. You saw enough there to win the game, and then you just kept killing yourself. So that's yeah. the D. That's the D yeah. part right there. Is yeah. that you? You. But I mean, you don't know how close it was to an F. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> no, I understand. Let, let me. I've got. I want. I got some things I want to 
stay in final thoughts. So I'm just going right. to breeze through this. Who's your offensive MVP? Uh, Ali. Okay. Yeah, you kind of nailed that one. He had a great game. Uh, you know, co-starring role to Cam Fancher because he did yeah. have a pretty good individual game. But Rasheen Ali accounted for all of Marshall's points, essentially, and had a great game on the ground and through the air. He is absolutely the MVP. Who's your I'll, defensive also, MVP? I also have to give a shout-out not only to Fancher, like you already mentioned, but uh, Mason Pierce, since he's come back from uh, that shoulder injury to where he didn't get to play in the first game and everything, he has worked himself into a reliable guy to always pick up that first down. He seems to always get the extra two yards, the extra three yards or whatever. Very slippery small maneuverable loving yep uh who's your defensive mvp this week jj roberts with the 13 solo tackles 15 overall yeah it's gotta be man what an output for him jeez yeah. and, and and shout out to austin and shout out to porter i mean we had a lot of guys making plays but jj takes it well owen porter 10 tackles from a defensive end position that's pretty yeah. good man he's all over the field too he had one bad penalty late that that yeah. kept a drive alive and that was just yeah. kind of the nail in the coffin but he and jj had great defensive games man what, what 23 Five total tackles between them. That's pretty amazing. Who's your special yeah. teams MVP? McConnell. Uh, he punted very well. He got that one away. Uh, I I just expected the worst when when the snap hit. But uh, I don't put that block on him. I mean, it wasn't like he held it too long or panicked when he saw people coming. There's just too much water coming through the dam. He had nothing yeah. he could do. Yeah, it's it it falls on him to the point of situationally you're backed up and you're like, all right, this has got to come out a little quicker. But he didn't, you're right, he didn't hold it longer. It just needed to come out quicker. And I don't yeah. even know if that would have helped because there were three I guys there to get a hand yeah. on that ball. Yeah. And if you tuck it and run, you know, yeah. that's never good with a punter <laughs> and everything. So Yeah. No, uh, let's so up next for the herd is James Madison on the midweek. Coming up on the 19th, Thursday night, ESPN, the big dog. We've talked about it already. Uh, buy your tickets, 20 bucks, ESPN promo code. I mean, you got to pack the place out. We're going to have a great tailgate. Uh, we're going to talk about that uh, a little bit more when we do the preview for the James Madison game. That'll come up in short order because it's such a quick turnaround. But yeah. let's move into some final thoughts. If you'd like me to go first, I will. Go ahead. Okay, so here's the deal. I am uh, by no means giving up on this Marshall Thundering Herd football team because I never give up on a Marshall Thundering Herd football team. Same. Wins come, losses come. And uh, you're right, when I was a younger guy, I used to let it ruin my week, and I don't let it do that anymore. But I'll tell you this, my wife was in the bedroom watching a documentary, and she came out to get something to drink, and before she crested the opening between the bedroom uh, and like into the living room, she said, is Marshall winning? I said, no. She said, I, I can tell because it's quiet in, in the living room. You know, so uh, that was, um, I, I didn't realize that, that I was being that quiet, you know, and, and, but it was, it was hard to watch. But, um, dude, I'm a herd fan through and through. And everything that I say, good or bad, is just observation. It's, it's mm -hmm. just what I see. Right. It's never a personal indictment of a coach. It's never a personal indictment of a player. The folks don't get – man, I love these guys. Like, they give yeah. me a lot of joy. They give me a lot of happiness. You know, I have very few ties to my past remaining in my life. I have no schools. I have no more high school, right? This uh, Marshall's what I have. That That's my link. And sometimes it's it's it might seem like, man, he's he's really going in on this guy. But that's never what it is. You know, it's not. 
it's frustrating because I want to win every game all the time. Yep. And I want these guys to do so well all the time. But it, I just get – I'm never the guy that's like, this guy's absolutely garbage. Get him out of here. Yep. I'm never going to yep. be that guy ever. And if yep. you don't like it, tough shit. I'm not going to be that guy. I love the herd, man. And I love watching them play ball. I like watching them play basketball, baseball, softball. I like just Kelly Green and White in movement on an athletic field. I love it. Right? And games like last night are are hard because you know what is there. And, and, and when you don't see it, um, it's, it's so beyond frustrating. But I feel worse for the guys because they're the ones busting their asses. They're the ones out there at practice. They're the ones in the summertime in the weight room. You know, I get to sit behind a, a television screen and watch the game or I get to get behind a microphone and talk about how bad it was or how good it was. So... I understand that I have a responsibility to a certain degree because there are people that listen to what I say and take that to heart. But uh, I don't care, man. It, it, I, it upsets me greatly that I don't have the opportunity to go to Jonesy Edwards Stadium every week when there's a game. I don't. It, it, it's a it's a really big void, you know, that I don't get to feel feel very often. So I would urge you to stay behind this football team. Stay behind these student-athletes that work their asses off. Stay behind the coaches who you may or may not like that are absolutely trying to win football games, right? Stick with them. As, as a parent, I've said this before, and, you, and I'm going to say it again, because when these scenarios happen, this is when it holds true. When your children do well, you love the hell out of them. And when they do badly, they need support, you love them harder. Yeah. That's what you do. Right? Yep. So as a fan, when your team is doing well, you love them and you tell them they're doing well. When they're struggling, you love them and support them more. Right. That's what it means to be a fan to me. might not mean yep. what it means to be a fan to you. You can be whatever the hell kind of fan you want to be. But I, I'm a guy that, that, that chooses positivity. It's not positive right now. There's a lot of negative right now. And it's not, there's not a lot... Uh, overly to be happy about. There are bright spots on this team. There are there are great moments, and, and there are guys that continue to play their asses off at a high level. It, it's just you can't stop loving the herd. That's it. Just keep loving the herd, man. It might sound cheesy to some of y'all. I don't care. I don't care if you think it's cheesy. Be the fan you want to be. I'm the fan whose love never wavers, whose support never wavers. In 2016, when we were three and nine, I sat my ass in Joan C. Edwards Stadium every week at a football game. Same. Bitched about it. Bitched about losing games. Bitched about getting blown out. But still, I paid my money. I went and sat down and cheered for the herd. Every time they were on offense, I cheered. Every time they were on defense, I cheered. Right? I have opinions just like you. Some of them are bad, just like yours. <laughs> Some of them are good. Wait, Doesn't mine? Yours and everyone else's. In the I know. Fan I'm, base. Just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so just just don't pack it in. It's a two game losing streak. It's the first two game losing streak of Cam Fancher's young quarterbacking career. Excellent opportunity to come in against James Madison. And if you go in and win this game at home, how does the narrative change to you? Yep. Right. James Madison's the cream of the crop in the Sun Belt. Nobody's going to d- deny that. Nobody's going to argue yep. with it. They're a great team. Yep. We beat them last year. We can beat them again next this next week or this week. Russ, what are your final thoughts? My final thoughts is I wanted to, uh, I took a screenshot of this going into the fourth quarter yesterday. I want you to listen to all this. It's 27 24, Georgia State 
uh, over Marshall at this point. And remember, we'd already left points on the board. We've already let them have a uh, pump block for a touchdown. We've already done all that stuff for it to be 27-24. First downs, 18-18. to On these, Marshall's stats will be first, Georgia State's second. Third down efficiency, 4 out of 10 versus 5 out of 12. Fourth down efficiency, both 0-1. Total yards, 391 to 394. Passing, 241 to 225. Completions and attempts, 21 out of 28 versus 20 out of 28. Yards per pass, 8.6 to 8.0. No interceptions thrown from either person. Rushing, 150 to 169. Rushing attempts, 28 to 30. Yards per rush, 5.4 to 5.6. Penalties, 6 for 47 versus 8 for 80. Turnovers, 1 to nothing. Fumbles lost, of course, one to nothing. Interceptions thrown, of course, one to nothing. Possession, 1958 to 2502. Mm-hmm. We had them still going into the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. And that's what I want everybody to remember as my final thoughts, is with all the crap that had already happened, with the pump block for a touchdown, with the drops that could have been extended drives, with the penalties that could have been extended drives, everything going into that fourth quarter. We we had a, a holding penalty on Matillo, like I said, that could have put four additional points on the board. We could have been going into this in the fourth quarter leading after all that. Do not give up on this herd team. We've we had a bad game. I'm not sugarcoating it, but please do not give up on them. Let's turn it around, do what we can do, and let's go beat James Madison, which we'll recap as or review as soon as tomorrow. Yep, preview. Uh, let's take us out of here then. Preview. All right, whether you see us at the CAM, whether you see us at the Joan, whether you see us over at the Skaggs family, uh, dedication of the uh, practice facility, no matter where you see us, we're going to be saying, go herd. That's right, go herd. It's a Thundercast promo code ESPN for $20 tickets to Thursday night's game against James Madison. Make it happen. Pack the Joan, student section, show out. We'll see you in a couple of days.